Hey everybody, we're back with the Queen Bee herself. Our guest today is LA Current superstar and French national teamer Beryl Gastaldello. You know her as one of the most versatile swimmers on the planet. After bursting onto the world scene with her breakthrough 2019 season in the International Swim League, Beryl came back in 2020 to one-up herself and put the world on notice with a dominant season, culminating with a fourth-place overall finish in the league MVP standings. Her seemingly rapid ascent to the upper echelon of swimming may have turned a lot of heads, but it was no surprise to her. She's goofy and brings the laughs, but don't be fooled by her lighthearted demeanor. When she speaks about her training and what she plans to achieve, it's with such veracity and intentionality that when you hear her say it, you not only believe she thinks she can do it, she makes you believe she'll do it. Now, we did run into some audio issues while recording this one, and we tried our best to clean it up, but there are a few rough moments we hope you'll push through. As Beryl drops some incredible perspective, you shouldn't miss. This is our chat with Beryl. Enjoy. Did you expect that, all of the success that you've had? Uh, no, but I worked for it. Does that make sense? Let's do some social kick. Welcome back to the Social Kick Podcast. I'm Brian Lundquist, joined by a full crew today, Luke Paddington, Dr. John Mullen, and Beryl Gastaldello. What's up, Garrett? What's up, Beryl? How are you? What's up, girl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again, guys. Of course. Oh. Well, hey, um, so are you back in College Station now? Yeah, CS Town, right here, right now. Cool. Yes. What would you say is the most Texas thing about you now? Oh, my God. <laughs> Definitely not wearing boots uh, or hat or anything. Um, I say, I just want to say as a joke, ain't going nowhere or I'm fixing to leave. <laughs> That's just a, as a joke, you know. <laughs> I'm fixing to leave. I, I just tell it like I, I can't, you know. I just tell people like ain't going nowhere right now just so you know <laughs> <laughs> that resonates with me i grew up in atlanta and i grew up saying fixing to y'all 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 what I, what was the biggest did you speak english uh when you first moved to the u.s did you have to take the toefl uh, i didn't speak english at all whatsoever <laughs> uh i thought i did you know i swear i, I hope people will believe me and understand, you know, I guess I've had English for nine years, but it's not what you think. It's not what you think at all. It's like the colors, the animals, describe the picture. Where's Brian? Because we have a thing about where's Brian. Brian is in the kitchen. No one understand that, but, you know, people that learn English or in the UK or things like that. Um, so I would try to make jokes like that, but for example, but no one would get it when I get it. I'm like, guys, where's Brian? <laughs> it's like, what do you mean, where's Brian? Like Brian is in the kitchen. <laughs> um, it's it's the same kidding. thing for us when we learn French. Because when we learn French, it's bonjour Claudette, bonjour Jean-Paul. Ça va Claudette? Ça va Jean-Paul? Où est Claudette? Où est Jean-Paul? Claudette est dans la piscine. Dans la piscine. It was just like that. That's a shame. For the, the <laughs> That's how we learn French. And then so, I learned Québécois, and Québécois is all curse words. It's all religious curse words, and that's the first French that one learns when they go to Quebec. So. <laughs> So yeah, I did have to take. Uh, I had to take the TOEFL, the ACT, 
you know, I was uh, I was very last last minute. I think I did everything around May uh, of the year I was coming in, so three months before uh, August, right? Um, so I didn't have much training, and I think I, I passed everything on the edge. That's uh, <laughs> that's what happened. So when I first came arrived at A and M, I had to take ELI classes. So it's English Institute Language, something like that, Language Institute. Mm -hmm. um, grammar, vocabulary. That one was fun, the vocabulary, because it's, it was all French words, like uh, highest mm -hmm. words, you know, so I knew everything was easy. Um, vocabulary I had to pass, grammar I had to pass twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I will just correct people because everyone is making mistakes all day long. I still do, <laughs> but when I was in that class, I was like, you know, when you say, she don't, she don't do that. I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't no, say I'm, that. I'm that way too i don't <laughs> anytime i hear uh, that i want to correct that phrase <laughs> well i still make mistakes obviously time to time but i don't mind anymore and it is what it is so. <laughs> well you definitely speak better french than luke does i uh my roommate at Purdue, Romain Mayer, was from France. And when I got information about him coming in, all I knew he was like a six foot six French guy. And then at Purdue, we got there. And I'm walking to the dorm for the first time. And I see this six foot six, foot six guy wearing capri pants, wearing all arena at the time. And I'm like, this has got to be my roommate. And we get to the room. No one was wearing arena in the U.S. at that time, right? So I was like, this has to be him. We get in the room. He, he speaks English. But he doesn't know all these little things. So he went around the room and he held up like uh, a stapler. I'd be like, stapler. And then he'd hold up a clothes hanger. I'd be like, clothes hanger. And we'd go through all these things because he could speak and have conversations. But just, uh, I don't know, just like you said, obviously learning it in a classroom or at, in France is a lot different than in actually in America. Wouldn't you say that's an odd fiction right there? Wait, is it yeah. the last thing you said? Sorry. <laughs> but it, 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 it comes on pull deck. It's really hard to read English workouts when you're used to the French workouts and vice versa. So in Quebec, the coach would write 100 pap and, and 100 do and 100 lb. And I'm like, what is that? And oh. because I'm used to... So did, did, you, did you have a problem? Uh, how hard was it to adjust to the American way of giving workouts even and talking about the systems? You had to learn that language as well, didn't you? Yeah, well, I don't know if you knew that, but so, like I said, you know, it was a very fast process. I didn't visit any school. And to be honest, I didn't even know anything about A&M, nothing. I just went. Uh, it was kind of crazy. No idea about the program, no idea. You know how everyone is making a, which I understand a big deal about, you know, uh, choosing the right school for them, the right program. I'm like... I had no clue. All I knew is that it was 25 yards. And I was like, oh, it's weird. I don't know if I can do that. Um, that's it. So I didn't know anything. Uh, and uh, yeah, for the longest time, I also did not get what was going on. I didn't know the school system, the credit score. All of, I was so confused. So confused. Even more when I was caught in those English Institute, the language institute, thinking it was the real classes. I was so confused. Like, is that it? After two weeks, I wanted to leave. Actually, yeah. to be honest, I yeah. was like, I can't do this. Is not <laughs> this is not cool. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and so, and you have to know Steve Boltman's workouts. They're not easy to understand. 
because you know sometimes it was like 1675 so 25 like this 25 out and the one and the third one is like that and i was just like i don't know anything i didn't know how you say mesh bag i didn't know all the you know equipment um book yeah vocabulary and uh i have that funny story so it took me a couple of months to finally understand that we were doing similar things every week that monday was that monday morning was more kick monday night i am it took me a couple months when i was like oh that's what we did last week on monday too I was like, oh, we do that every monday i was so out of this world like wow <laughs> for example we all we all be afraid of monday night you know it's like i am aerobic set and stuff and just let you know i will go and I have no idea what I was going for. No idea how long it was going to last, the interval, nothing. I was just following people. And I can tell you that was long. I was just like, you know, 10, 225 am. I was like, when do we stop? When is it stopping? Or, uh, whew, I don't even know how I did it. I was just so confused. Uh, people were trying to help me. But when you will say 50s. Uh, I don't know, one of them, I was just confused. Every time I would stop at the 50s and it was something else. You know, I would just misunderstand things. And Steve was the person that would understand me the least with my accent. <laughs> so that was a great communication right there. Uh, we could just not understand each other. It was all about my teammates helping me out. Um, so to answer your question, I had, no, I didn't know anything. In Meryl, the first category. six months of swimming in Quebec, I I would never be on any team rosters, any bus lists, any meet rosters, and I kept going, "How come I'm not on the list?" And I was training, I was never on it. And I remember the physio at one point was treating my shoulder, and he goes, "Wait, wait, your name is Luke?" I'm like, "Yeah, my name is Luke." For six months, head coach for my name was Paul because he didn't understand me or my accent, so I looked like a Paul, so he wrote Paul. On all the team trips. Oh. It was great. But however, swimming was my place where I could also feel at home. So how was that to you? How, did swimming negatively, did that negatively affect your swimming then, but also it gave you a comfort place to be in the water and be at once? And be, I mean, a language you did speak was swimming? Uh, I see. I really like that question, actually. Um, <laughs> I tried to remember because it was already around six or seven years ago uh, already. And that period was a bit foggy in my head. That makes sense because I was just not there. I just was in my head in French. And I was like, I don't know what's going on, but just keep going and see. Um, but yes, to answer your question, definitely the only thing I had for me was the, <laughs> the glide in the water, uh, just feeling at home in the water, doing what I know how to do. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but other than that, it was a bit, Heptic, you would say, I guess. Heptic. Something like that. <laughs> why, did, why did you go to A&M in the first place? Like, where else were you looking and how did you end up there? So, like I said, I did not really have a recruiting process. Um, they were one of the last that still had a full scholarship saved and uh, that didn't want to give up because it was a bit complicated being so late in the game scholarship-wise, also with the funding, other stuff, uh, school for the school to get into a you know the why my dog <laughs> school so they and uh, when i call steven i just had a good feeling about it intuition a good intuition so i just went there it's as simple as it is um 
yeah, it's kind of crazy. It just was a flow. Um, no time. They were they really wanted me. They did everything they they could to to get me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going there. Uh, I think I talked a little bit with Tennessee, Texas, so UT Tennessee, and I barely remember. Same. I was so confused. Everything was confusing for me. What are some things that you uh, were doing that you learned in Texas A&M training that you had never been doing before and you think made you better? Uh, actually, I thought you were talking more about the transition in, in, uh, coming from France to Texas, the country, because everything is oh. bigger. Everything was an adjustment that way as well. Um, but yes, it's completely different. Uh, the, the, yeah, the, how do you call that? Um, not physiology, the... Basically, the way the philosophy of training is completely different. In France, it's way more European, obviously. Uh, um, and by that, I mean a bit, not actually, much more personalized. So, and the coach, the approach of the coach is very different in the way that is way more involved in each swimmer and he is going to come to you. Whereas I feel like in the US, uh, obviously, it's more a mass thing. You know, you're in a team with 40 people. You have to approach your coach if something, if anything, more, more, more likely, I guess. So, in that is very different. And even though I still like see it when I go back home, how they all have very different, like they even all have different sets sometimes because that's what they need. So, it's very different. And uh, you like it or not, it's for you or it's not for you. You know, I think that that is something that works very well. But for example, for me, I need more of that freedom that I get in the US especially with my coach, Jason, kind of not, is a more of an artist. And, you know, it's stressful for me that someone is always on my back or is uh, telling me, you know, that's the theme of the week. This and that's going to happen. You have to go, you have to do this and that. Uh, with Jason, I don't know any of that. Sometimes I need a bit more structure, obviously, but is very helpful. So that's very different. It's almost opposite. But both have been proven to work very well. So it's more like what you prefer what works best with how you are, right? Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, has that changed as you've aged? Obviously, now you're beyond you know the the college portion of your career and swimming, you know, maybe the best you've ever swam. So, have you have you how have you crafted that into your professional career? Are there some things, elements from sort of both coaching worlds that you've pulled in? Um, that's what I'm trying to do right now. So I've been talking with Jason and I'm uh, doing different things on the side as well, outside of the pool. But um, I'm going to try to bring in a bit more science, but not too much. We won't do the average testing or things like that, but we do something similar that Jason has been. He, he's done his own thing that works and he, he likes it. So I trust him on that. Uh, then I, I bought something like a, now you grab it in your swim cap, you know, that tracks like you. I think how, how much you swim, your strokes and all of that, uh, working on that. And sometimes some lactate testing, but uh, we haven't really uh, developed that yet. We're just talking about it, making moves slowly. That's it. That's about it. I just need basically a little bit of that. But what I have is already perfect. It's just to bring, basically there's two sides of me, two sides of me. There's the the one that really needs to know everything, very organized, and the one side that is super flexible and needs to chill. So it's confusing because I'm always in between and I have to go with intuition. It's actually something I've learned about me that helps me a lot because I will always not understand me. You know, I was like, how is it that I need to know what I'm doing in five years and that I, I can't help it believe day by day? You know, it doesn't make sense. 
So now I understand that it is the same thing in the in the pool. It translates. So we we go with by intuition. You know what I feel like, uh, and uh, now I'm gonna have more more tools to play with. So I'm excited about that. So I think in a way I brought that more of the science side from the European coaching style. That makes sense. I was gonna ask you answered the question like why are you still there? I mean, the, the world's your oyster right now and you can go anywhere and you can, and, but it's because you both have adapted and you've almost become part coach as well of yourself. I mean, that's the main thing. It seems that it's really good, nice you've adapted and evolved with Jason. I mean, so, so that's changed. I mean, even though where you are hasn't changed, that's changed, hasn't it? To the better for you. So Very you cool. asked me why I'm still in Korea Station? That's what you said? Yeah, I was going to, but you answered it. I'm like, well, why are you still there? You, you did your college. You were blowing up on international scene. You were swimming for the French. I mean, why are you still You could go anywhere. I mean, a lot of people do change, but you love it because of your coaching, of your environment, and it's changed and adapted to you. And you guys have grown together. And I love Exactly. That. Yeah. That's obviously a question I've asked to myself because um, Korea Station is very nice, but there's something weird about this place. It's... You want to go away, you want to get out, but in a way there's everything and it's kind of nice. It's kind of awesome, actually. I don't know how to explain. It's super weird. Um, you know, I've been here for six or seven years. I would never thought I would still be in College Station, Texas by now. But like you said, um, things have changed. I obviously changed coach. I was, I was with the girls team and Steve, both men, and now I'm with uh, the guys team. Not in this moment, now for the past year, actually, if I have to say something. <laughs> but I'm with Jason Kalanog and Jay Holmes. Um, so that also, that brought some, uh, I mean, it refreshed things too, you know, completely different training that is, uh, that is more fit for me. It suits me better, obviously. It suits me better. Um, and yes, like you said, we're growing together. Obviously, it's not easy all the time. But I thought about leaving at some point. But the grass is not greener uh, most of the times. And uh, I also have a coach that I do. Uh, so I do a weightlifting with him. I do, he's a, some sort of, he has, I mean, I'll say PT, but it's not really a PT. We do elder myofascial stretching. And now he actually bought the gym with my good friends, the gym I go, I go to. So it's just like home. Um, I have my friends here. Uh, why living? You know, there's everything. I'm, I'm improving and uh yeah so i've asked myself that question and actually since i came back from europe coming back from europe was the the moment i decided that i was gonna stay here for a long time i would say i mean for the moment at least i have everything lined up for me to be the best i can be or i created everything and it was hard and it took time so no, it's not the time to leave. If that makes sense. That was the wrong answer of it. <laughs> no, I think it definitely makes sense. But like you said, it's easy to think grass is always greener over there. They have this, they have that. Like you said, you've yeah. developed these relationships. You've developed a life there, a routine there. And like you said, and as we saw in ISL, you're still improving. You know yeah. why mix a bunch of things up if it's still getting better and you're still improving. So I'd love to learn more about what you're working on technically in the pool to keep getting better here, moving into the long course season. Um, so it's hard for me to say. In a way, I really, so I'm someone that tends to think a lot. And what I'm doing here with Jason and everything I'm doing here is trying to take that out of the equation as much as possible. So when we, so when 
I'm asked some questions like that, it's a bit difficult because I've, I've been trying to shut off my brain basically, um, which is really beneficial for me. So I just need to think a little bit. <laughs> Let's say in the pool, Jason doesn't really uh, correct me of things like that. It's rare because I'm already like some sort of psychopath or things like that. Uh, I'm, you know, if I see something, I feel things a lot. I'm a, basically, I'm a hypersensitive person, which I'm uh, learning uh, how to accept, how to deal with, to make changes because of that. Uh, it's obviously not easy, but pros and cons. Pros of that is because I'm hypersensitive and hyper aware of my body. Uh, if something is out of balance or something, I feel it right away. And what I do is I correct it also right away by myself, most likely. Obviously, as you know, coaches on deck and stuff to help me time to time. But it's something that I do myself. And uh, the biggest work that I do is actually not in the water. It's outside of the water. And the goal is for all the work that I'm doing outside of the water to give me the ability to not have to think about anything in the water because everything is going to be um, just uh, go in a motion. You know, it's just going to, I'm going to build certain muscles that I don't have right now, um, learn how to move ways that I've never moved before. And then this is just going to directly translate in the water. Uh, so that's what I'm doing right now, basically. <laughs> it's uh, we're in the first, let's say we're in the process of building uh new fibers like muscles and um adjusting so i'm not expecting to move very fast in the water right now and that's in this first phase and then after that we're gonna you know change things up and it's gonna be more in the water the focus is gonna be to be fast in the water to have some speed in the water just to go ahead of the topic <laughs> yeah i know we talked about it a little bit on the instagram live but i think maybe going through maybe an example weight room routine or dryland routine that you're doing right now because i don't think many people particularly in the states are familiar with the program that you're doing and how much time you're spending on it outside of the water yeah i told my coach uh on tuesday he should pay me to be there because i'm spending a lot of time in there i shouldn't pay him <laughs> no, i'm just kidding i'm just very we, we, I'm just very sarcastic with him. It's just how it is. He's my friend. He's very good friend, Phil. Um, so I don't have the notes right here, but he actually just changed because uh, um, changed my whole... It's, uh, we call it dry land, but it's not a dry land as what people think about dry land, you know, which is more like some sort of cardio and things like that. We call it dry land still, but it's more uh, those Eldoa uh, and afterward my official stretching that I'm doing. But so... Before that, because it just changed, the plan was that I go and lift three days a week. So it's Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I only have one day off. If I can complain about that, no, I'm just kidding. I decided. I decided to spread things around to be able to recover more uh, because that's my job and why not? So I'm doing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. On um, Tuesday, it's a snatch. It's all, everything from a power, <clears throat> power snatch front squat and then I have a circuit with small exercises, maybe a pull-ups or then some at first Eldoa things like that, small movements. Um, on the middle day of the week, it will be more light. It, it's um, it's either a hang power clean or a hang power snatch. From, so from a hang position below the knees. 
and uh, it's uh, glute bridges and same thing have a circuit circuit is uh, around three four exercises that i do two three times or three to four times and then uh, the last day the third day the saturday it's my favorite it's power cleans and uh, back squat with a circuit and then the other day monday and um monday friday yeah i do dryden so i do more of like a what I don't like, but what really makes me better. <laughs> and every single day afterward, I do uh, the stretchings and then we do some treatment if I need, because um, I have some diaphragm things I have to deal with and uh, other things that came up. So that was the, the schedule originally. As of right now, I'm doing two times a week now. I'm gonna start lifting twice a week and focusing more on all the small muscles like building and the drying parts, the part I love so much. <laughs> I don't, so like I said, <laughs> but I just know I have to get through that and it's going to take two or three weeks. It's going to be rough, but after I get through that phase, I'm going to adapt and uh, this is probably what's going to make me better in the water. Where do, you, where do you feel like you need to get better in the water? Where are your biggest areas of opportunity and how is this setting you up to get you there? I'm a quad dominant person, quad dominant swimmer. And so I overuse my quads and I underuse other muscles like my abs, my um, yeah lower abs specifically, or then it makes me overuse my psoas on one side, things like that. Just like even making things more even everywhere. It is difficult to explain in English, let's be honest. It's because it's detailed and precise things. Um, try, do you understand what I'm saying or should I redo that? Yeah, no, I do understand. Basically, also, I've had of the, the force where the force is being exerted instead of like overkicking with just my quad and stuff. I'm using more my um, what do you call that behind the quads? Quadrita. Hamstring, oh, yeah. hamstring, hamstring and things like that, right? Using more my hamstring, using more my lower abs, using more like psoas on the other side, just um, mm -hmm. yeah, making things more even everywhere so you actually end up being stronger because there's only so much you can do using one muscle or one you know part of your body mainly and uh, if things are more even and spread around your body i think it's you're just stronger it's not i think it's a fact so that's the goal uh, and for that i have to make a lot of little adjustments that don't feel great at the moment <laughs> uh, but uh, that's one way i can improve and um, building those fibers for the moment. So I do the movements very slow to make sure I do it uh, in a way perfectly, uh, the, you know. And then afterward, I'm gonna try and do those movements very, very fast to build that like explosivity within those new movements, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm just building like um, neurological connections and then I'm going to learn how to use them uh, as fast as possible. It's very different from everyone, mm -hmm. I guess, what I'm doing. It's, it's new, but uh, I think it's something that works very well and that is going to continue to work very well for me. <laughs> At least I believe in it. Uh, that's what I have to tell myself to be doing those three hours driving, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, now I believe in it and uh, I've had good results already so i'm going to the next level did you where did you pick that up 
Where did where did you pick that up? Is that because that's you're right? It, that is different. And I, I haven't heard of people applying their learning style maybe in that manner to to swimming and athletics. And you know we hear about people experimenting all the time, but I'm curious how how you came to iterating in that in that manner. Like, um, did you bring that framework from somewhere else in your life that you're applying to swimming, or how, or is it from another person, or did you just happen upon it? So, the I actually so Phil Philip Scruggs, my my coach, uh, I met here. He actually was working uh, at A and M for the longest time uh, when he was finishing up his doctorate and things like that. And then uh, he has been doing those courses that called so it's the Eldoa uh, anything Eldoa myofascial stretching. And what's crazy is that the person who invented all of that is actually French. He, he and he's based in France, in Marseille, in, from my hometown, which is crazy coincidence, because he's never in France. He's always traveling. He's working with people like Tiger Woods, uh, Stephen Curry, things like that. He's a big, big deal person. Uh, what he does works very well. And uh, so my coach Philip has been taking his courses. Um, and uh, the fact that I met him, you know, he he. How do you call that? He included that into my, my training. We decided to work together. And so we started working on that as well. Um, so it actually comes from him. Um, yeah, that's as important as it is. I met Phil, Phil does that. And uh, we incorporated that into my training. So yeah, Beryl, I was just wondering about the your, your mindset and your, your, you're making deliberate steps to be in that a good place. It started from your choice of being in Texas, how you're applying it to your swimming. You see yourself behind the blocks. But at the same time, you're all happy, but you are a badass underneath as well. So talk about that. Just talk about your dry land you're doing for this and this. How do you stay calm when things go crazy like this? <laughs> like right now? Yeah. <laughs> because my life is like that. <laughs> like, I don't have a choice. Uh, it's it's challenging, but I don't have a choice. And you learn how to deal with it, right? So it's fine. We figure it out. <laughs> well, that's but one I of my favorite quotes of Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um. Hey, I want I wanted to go the direction. Really. I just want to talk about you know ISL success because I mean you really burst onto the scene, and I want to know. Uh, I mean, shoot, would you 181k in earnings in 2020? Is that right? Are you talking about money right now? Yeah, yeah. Is that I just like I saw that career earnings or at least the earnings stats for the year. You kind of burst onto the scene like top four money earners, and I don't know how many people would have picked that before you started in ISL. Is it like, did, did you expect that all of the success that you've had? Uh, no, but I worked for it. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. And then concerning the money, it's amazing, obviously, but I don't really care in a way. That's not what drives me uh, at all, actually. Um, but yeah, what I want to say is I really worked for it mentally, physically, uh, that's what I was going to say to to Luke, because I did not really get to answer with the technical issues, is that um, I'm, I'm working with a mental preparator on the side. I also have a psychologist. Um, and so I'm taking care of that mental side of things. And recently, I've made huge 
moves forward. And that is just by changing my perspective of life, you know, turning everything into positive, accepting. Obviously, things are still changing. Actually, even today, yesterday was a bit challenging. Um, but that really helps. And that also directly translates into the water because I'm feeling better in my shoes if you if it's the same thing in, in English. Um, so um, I have I had to deal with a lot of difficult life things and I still do actually. Um, unfortunately, things are, are still coming up to me. Um, but then my goal is to keep growing in the meantime. And uh, I'm, it's challenging because I'm just trying to be at peace and happy. But, you know, sometimes you have to go through phases that are not easy. And that's what I know at the end is going to make me even stronger and uh, even better at everything I'm doing right now. So that's something I've learned the hard way is going through uh, sufferings and things like that. At the end of the day, it's, you have two choices. Like we, we hear everywhere, you know, you let yourself go or you just fight and uh, step back up even stronger. And that's what I just, I keep doing. I'm never going to give up. Uh, and so I keep, uh, I'm exciting in, I'm excited in a way, which is, might sound weird, but now I know that after all of that, better things and greater things are coming because it's it is what it is you know you're just learning and every time you learn you just grow and every time you grow something is evolving and stuff so yeah lots of change lots of change for the better yeah. so yeah definitely sounds like and obviously working with you know mental health professionals and things like that is becoming more common and more accepted we'll say in yeah. sport was this something you kind of sought out on your own or you and the coaches thought this would be a nice supplement? Uh, it's, it's more something that I did on my own. The mm -hmm. coaches don't really interfere with things like that. You know, as part of the team, when you're in university, obviously, if you have issues, they strongly encourage you to use the resources they have. But now that I'm not in the team or anything anymore, obviously, it's something that I'm doing on my own. Um, and that's something that started actually back when I was in Marseille in uh, 2013 because obviously uh, my dad had an accident in 2013 i lost him uh, two months before the olympics in uh, 2016 um, and then i started working with uh, someone that's called thomas thomas Samut. Um, and then when i was in here I, we just kept in touch maybe a few times a year that's it and now since august we just started uh, to work together and he actually built a team around me uh, so it's uh, three people including him then I have uh, someone that's doing yoga with me. And I have uh, a coach that is uh, analyzing my races and uh, giving me more of that scientific side of things. And he's also, uh, obviously, my main coach is Jason, but he's just giving um, some of his like, tools to help us. So I have a team, and I feel great because I've never had a, a team like that around me. as I feel really much like a professional now. And that has been uh, working a lot because uh, we just work uh, in a harmony, you know, all together. Uh, and then now we connected, uh, I connected them with uh, Jason. So everyone is connected and that feels great. <laughs> that feels very, that feels satisfying, you know, <laughs> that yeah, everyone is connected and going the same way. Everyone thinks the same, they have the same vision. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's been working and I'm exciting uh, to continue that. I was just going to say one thing these times are telling us that family and creating a family is so important to drive us forward. And sorry to hear about your, your father. I didn't know. Um, talking about the Olympics, um, 
there's so much unknowns that uh, as an athlete you got to deal with. But I mean, the first thing, say we have an Olympics. I did say one of the most exciting swims I'm looking forward to is to you swim long course in the Olympics. I'm just, I don't know what it would be. I'm just excited. But there's a lot before that. The Olympics have to happen. You have to qualify. I mean, it's it, it, what's the A cut? It's a 24 7. There's Melanie, there's these people in the fifth day, there's a five. What's, what's, what, what's your plan? When are trials? What's your goal? How are you dealing with that? How's the French dealing with the team selection? What's going on? So, say, say all goes to plan. We have no idea. Oh, uh, you didn't know? I actually had nationals in December. Yes. Um, so the first, it's a bit complicated. They decided to create a window of qualification, which is the first time ever for the French Federation. Uh -huh. So we had nationals long course in December, uh, early December. And then they made the Olympic cuts way faster. So they, for example, it was uh, almost a, se a full second faster than the 103. You know, if it's, it was 53, 53, 53, 53, if I can say it, instead of 54, 3 or something like that. So it's uh, way faster. And um, basically, they gave a chance until March 31st. Whoever made the, the French cut and is the first person is going to be qualified like qualified for the Olympics March 31st. But then, so that's what I've achieved. I won at nationals. I went 53-40. Uh, in the meantime, now, in, if someone is swimming faster than me, they're taking my spot. So until, so I'm pre-qualified, if that makes sense. That's what they've been doing. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things going on in France. Obviously, they're going back into a lockdown, things like that. I'm falling, but from far, because it's complicated and... I have stuff in my life already, you know. Wow. That's at least in the US. In here, we pretty we pretty good because uh, there's uh, if we take away the students, for example, here there's no one anymore, so it's nice. Uh, yeah, that's what they've been doing. And then the, so from nationals, only four people made those cuts. Uh, so uh, four people are pre-qualified. So there's Melanie, there's Florent, there's Marie, and I. <clears throat> And after that, so there's European Championships and another French Nationals in June, uh, depending what happens. So it's same thing, depending on what happens by the end of March, I'm going to do this or that or not. So I have to be very flexible. Everyone has to be super flexible anyways, but uh, hmm. more so when you live super far away like that. And uh, so they actually have a meet, I believe, that ends. That's like the end of the window is the end of the meet at home. So everyone's going to go there. I'm guessing um, my main rivals will taper, uh, maybe. I don't actually, mean, I'm guessing, but I don't know their, their plans. Um, I'm, I'm ready for everything. If they beat me, if they take my spot, they take my spot. It was meant to happen. If they don't, great. I'm qualified by the end of March if the Olympics happen. Um, if not, uh, I think I, I see, for example, for that situation, it could just be like, oh, I hope no one beats me. You know, it'll be horrible, things like that. That's kind of the first thought that comes in mind, for me at least, the first. And then I just caught it and I was like, wait a minute. You know, if someone beats you, it's meant to happen. It doesn't mean that you won't go. But for me, it's like if someone beats me, it might actually be even better for me, to be honest. I know it sounds weird because being qualified in March would be a relief. A relief. But if someone beats me, it's going to give me, I'm going to be even more hungry. That makes sense? Because I'm telling myself, someone beats me. I will be unbeatable in June. No one is going to beat me in June. That makes sense? So that's what I'm telling myself, and I'm building up to that uh, mental mindset, uh, that mindset. 
Um, so I know it's it's a good sign how, how because that, Beryl, how do you deal with not knowing? Like people at this stage know exactly what their event lineup is for the Olympics. They 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 they, they, they visualize what lane they're going to be in and they visualize their goal time doing it. You're so much uncertainties. How are you doing that? You're just like, you know what? Whatever shit happens, and I'm going to deal with it, and I'm going to make me stronger. Is that the thing? Yeah. Like I said, it's the two sides of me. Uh, I just, I've never been that person that visualizes things, know which line I'm going to be. I don't even know the lineup of events. I'm pretty sure the 103 is the first day. I don't even know. I think 100 fly maybe. So to tell you, I don't even know. The line, I don't know. Um, I'm like that, and it works well for me. <laughs> but it's just difficult to accept because everyone else that I see around me is not like that. that yeah. sense. There's probably yeah. someone obviously yeah, that I don't see. I'm not uh, the only one. But um, that's that's been a challenge, for example. That's what um, also pushes me to not look outside of what I'm doing because I'm just different. We are different and that doesn't work for me. So in that way, I feel like I'm... Uh, more flexible than someone that needs so much uh, structure in a way, even though part of me would love to have a bit more structure. <laughs> um, the, I'm just going with that other side that is pretty chill and just goes with the flow. <laughs> just get up and race when you need to. Yeah, Yeah, right I'm now girl, that side is... I got to hop off, guys, but... So the French system, if you qualify in the 100 free, when you do, are you able to swim the 100 fly? You got to qualify in the 100 fly as well, um, et cetera. Like what, what, what are they doing with the, with the other events? Because you swim everything except breaststroke, yeah. which is not I'm a stroke. Smiling, I'm smiling because I need to call my federation to ask this question. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky sometimes. I think sometimes, say, if you make the A cut in one, they let you swim the other one. If you have the B cut, if the other swimmers are not qualified, yeah. it's really complicated. So I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be something like that. But, yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. I haven't, uh, like I said, I really have, for the moment, I have other things to deal with. So that's not uh, the priority for All me. All right. Well, what do you want to swim? What do you want to swim? I mean, what's your favorite shit? You want to... You want to Say it was in the Olympics that you're gonna swim against me and Brian, and you could say, "Bell, you're gonna race us and fly back or, or free." Which one do you, do you want to? Which one do you enjoy? I would say, um, hundred free. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I think uh, with like, uh, let's say, mm -hmm. sort of the discoveries that I've made, the way my body works, like um, with motricity and everything, um, it looks like the freestyle is the stroke that is. How do you say that? Let's say my, my shit is the 100 free. That's it, actually. Let's make it simple. Um, even though even the way I move in the water, the way I move outside of the water is uh, confirming that freestyle is just the best for me. The, the stroke I can do the most in. James Gibson said on a recent talk of us that he thinks that the women sprint world records are soft. Like, they, there's a lot to be... And there's a big breakthrough coming. And he thinks it comes down to, you know, straight arm freestyle, the strength um, in, in women's swimming. And I mean, he coaches Renomi and Sarah. Do, uh, I, how do you think, we're excited to speak to you because, you know, you're working in your strength and your connections and, your, and, and, and the small things that make you more connected in your freestyle. Do you agree yeah. that you think a big change might happen in your freestyle, if, where you're going? Uh, yes, that's the goal. That's the goal. After yeah. it's, uh, I'm someone that, let's say, to give you a perspective, I uh, met someone that has been asking me if I see myself uh, 
winning that gold medal in the 100 feet of the Olympics. And I said, not for the moment. And he was like, what? You mm. need to do that. That's something you need to put in your head. And it's a long explanation, yeah. but it just is not the moment, you know, for me. And I cannot force things. But <clears throat> I agree. In the, I mean, I'm doing everything for a big drop to happen, right? That's what I'm doing right now. And it's obviously challenging and it's tough because for me, as long as I've not done it, it's hard to be like, I'm going to do it. I don't know how to explain. It's not like I don't believe in me, but I'm just too humble, if that makes sense. It, it becomes a bit too much time to time. Um, so I just keep things for myself, but uh, it's not like I don't believe it. I just won't put it out there. Uh, I just think, like we say, you know, action, action speak louder than words. So I just want to do things because as of right now, I don't think my career has been crazy. I'm very hard on myself. Yes, I, I did good at the ISL, but it's not what I want to achieve uh, yeah. in the long term. Uh, which is what? Which is longevity. <laughs> Swim into your 30s and, and, and just keep being on top and enjoying yeah. the sport and loving it? It depends. Obviously, I mean, it's not like I don't really have goals. It's more like a, an idea that came up to, to me. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be that person that comes in gets an Olympic medal, Olympic gold, Olympic medal, and just disappears. Which, yeah. obviously, I mean, props to these people, you're an Olympic champion, an Olympic medalist, mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's just not what I want, you know? I want to be on top for a long time. That would be, it's more important for me to stay there. Uh, it's just uh, how I see things. Um, and so what I'm doing right now, what I'm working on is to lead towards something like that, because, yeah. uh, you know, I've never had major injuries at all. And with everything I'm doing, I most likely not going to have major injuries, but you never know. <clears throat> At least I'm doing everything for that to not happen. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's more what I'm, I'm leading towards something more like something like that, if that makes sense. Uh, I know it might be weird because, I mean, obviously I would love having a, and I, I will want an Olympic gold or an Olympic medal or multiple, but... I'm looking more like in a long term. How do you how do you feel like um, what are your expectations for the, the sort of structure and the opportunities within swimming? Like, of course, in the last two years, you know, now we have a pro swim league. That's an opportunity to focus on training in a different way and racing in the fall. Um, you know, if you're talking about longevity, you know, how what do you see in the next 10 years in the sport of swimming? Is that still around? What sort of innovations do you think we'll see? Um, that's a good question. I really, I've not really thought about it. I think, uh, obviously with the, the arrival of the ISL, things, uh, moved a lot and, uh, talking with Constantine, things are going to keep moving a lot. You know, one of his goals is, uh, to take, I mean, basically saying that the Olympics have been the way they are and been there for so many years, nothing really has changed. And he's thinking that uh, it might just disappear slowly but surely at some point, if that makes sense. Mm. And mm. the way he explains things and stuff, it makes so much so much sense. I cannot really um, recall and explain exactly how we like discussed everything, but I think the future of swimming is something more similar to what the ISL is doing right now than the Olympics. It might mm. be shocking to some people to hear things like that, but 
I just can't explain. I guess we have to see, right? We have to see. All that I say is just like, I've never had that much fun in my life than I've had at the ISL. But it's not only in the swimming, it's just as a, a person and uh, just discovering uh, people and everything, that social aspect that you don't really have at the Olympics mm -hmm. because you're just there to, to perform and you just go, you leave, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. For example, so the fact that we had that bubble, the six weeks, uh, we already taught a lot to many people. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going all over the place, but basically uh, just the ISL, I mean, that's something that makes me want to stick around uh, for a long time because I just can mm -hmm. do what I love to do. I can get money because obviously you have to leave uh, and it's just amazing. So yeah, I don't see, I think we needed a refresh, like a renewal, renewal, right? Yeah. Totally. That's yeah. what that's what's happening right now. So we're leading mm -hmm. towards a, a good direction, and it, even uh, in terms of exposure, because you know people love watching swimming at the at the Olympics. It, however, it's only once every four years, so we need to be out there much more, just like basketball, just like soccer, uh, football, things like that. It's important to for I mean, it's important for the sport itself and uh, everything that goes around you know no no you're spot on and and you know he talks a lot about being professional he always relates it to football of the world cup and the clubs in in europe with, with football and you know football is not soccer is not big in the olympics and nba and for the americans but at the end of the day it's it's creating environments that would make you happy and continue being happy and we just think too much depression linked with post olympics and too much pressure being placed of not making Olympics. I tried, I didn't make the Olympic team. And, you know, I, I still feel it 24 years later. There's, there's so much pressure, but, um, you know, so I think the future of the sport is the future of loving the sport and loving what you do. And I think that's that's where it's at, being professional or not. That's just the, the, the mechanism, the vehicle to continue having these swimmers not have to stop doing what they love to, to earn a living by being, you know, doing a job. And I think so yes. kudos to whatever iteration of the ISL continues. I think that's important. Um, I always respected the French swimmers for that because the French clubs always, I remember they would pay, I, I, I swam for a French club once and they paid me to go to French nationals, like all expenses to go. This is the 90s. And, and that was good because they valued you because, you know, and they valued the money. And so I think that's where it's at. Um, but Brian, you want to you wanna jump in some rapid, rapid fire? What you going yeah. To? Yeah, let's do that in the close. So, um, Beryl, what's the hardest race in swimming? I've not done all of them, so I've never swum a two-fly. So I'm guessing it will be a two-fly, but I don't know. I saw you in the skins, the third fifth of your skins. You look dead, dead. <laughs> no, that was actually not bad. That's pretty, for some reason, it was not hard. Wow. Now, the hardest race that I've raced, um, I have to say, uh, it, it just depends because I did another 2 a.m. and it didn't feel like that anymore. I've done a 4 a.m. I've done a mile, one mile. That one was the hardest because it was so long. I said the mile. It was so long. I remember I was like, I just did 800. And I was like, oh, my God, 700 to go. <laughs> you know, the most I've done in that time was probably 200. So oh my God. I said the mile just like mentally, it got me. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Olympic gold, world record, or ISL overall MVP? 
<laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know, I have to say, we talking about what we, we talked earlier, I have to say Olympic gold at the moment still. We value okay. more of the Olympics, but mm -hmm. that might shift. It actually mm -hmm. will probably shift. Well, if we're still doing this in 10 years and you are, then we'll talk about it again and come back and see. <laughs> uh, we talked about all the things in Texas. Um, and what's uh, what would you say is actually still the, the Frenchest thing about you? What, what, what do your friends say about, about you? Uh, no cursing. Let's see. <laughs> that too. Uh, my personality, I'm very honest. Hmm. I feel like uh, not saying that Americans are not honest, but I don't feel like people are as straightforward as I am, at least in here. And mm. that can be shocking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> and my yeah. accent is pretty French. <laughs> Your accent's pretty French. And the way I love food, and I can keep going like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going the Frenchest thing about Fred Bousquet was the way he said broccoli. <laughs> French and broccoli. Okay. I, don't know. I just can't even broccoli. I don't know. <laughs> broccoli. Uh -huh. Yeah. Broccoli. Uh, what's uh? Who's who's the fastest woman in the world? Underwater, fifteen meter kick from a push. Me. If there was a hundred IM long course, is there anyone in the world who could beat you? Not at the moment. I love it. I love the confidence. I love the I love the honesty. It's great. Beryl, that we'll we'll end it there. It was great chatting yeah, with you. about my two like biggest strengths that we seen at the ISL. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I want to go back on one thing. I said sure. Olympic gold, but thinking about it, it's a tie with the world record because world record means that no one before you has achieved that. So I really like that. Yeah. Um so I'm ah, rough one. You're the yeah. first one that set a tie. We've asked maybe 40 people. Nobody set a tie. But I had to, I had to go back on it, you know what I yeah. mean? Because, yeah. yeah, I did not agree fully with my answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, hey, we look forward to seeing you go do those things when the time is right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you got yeah. it. Right on. <laughs> and if it's not now, it's not now, but it's going to be later. You know, exactly. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. The, the main thing is to enjoy, have fun. That's it. You know, just I want to actually think, uh, talk about that because um, someone have asked me um, if I win the lotto, you know, like uh, 150 millions dollars or things like what would I do? What would I change? How would be my life? Yeah. Uh, how would my life be, I guess? And I just started thinking, I was like, well, well, first, you know, obviously I would buy like a house for sure here or there but i was like what would i what would i do and it was very weird because i was like i think i would still like swim and just want to do what i'm doing and that was deep that was very deep and then basically that's where i realized that if you would be where you already are or you close to that you uh it's your truth is right there, basically, you know, it means that you're doing what you want to do fully, what makes you happy, if that makes sense, because mm -hmm. when you, you bring in money, you can do anything. With that much money, you could do anything. And that's mm -hmm. something I was very surprised. That just moved me. So I feel like maybe it will move other people to ask themselves that, that question, where would they be, what would they do? 
And if you don't really, obviously you change a few things, you know, I would have a chef cooking for me, 100%, uh, <laughs> things like that. But then if you're close to, to that, you're just at your truth right here and right now. And I thought that was pretty deep. So I just wanted to share that. Um, so you've wondered you know, a lot of people are close to their truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was going to say, so it sounds like you, you have won the lotto. You are a lotto winner. I mean, exactly. It's, to I mean, be honest, it's uh, unbelievable. I like the freedom that uh, being a professional swimmer brings to me. You have to know I only swim uh, once a day, an hour and a half, six days a week. Uh, the rest of the time, obviously, I'm taking care of everything in the gym and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel pretty free and uh, alive huh? because when you swim a couple doubles and things like that, you just like I, I became a zombie. You know, I, yeah. I was just not living. Uh, I was mm-hmm. surviving. And now I'm starting to live, which really changes everything. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was like a cool stuff to think about maybe i mean obviously some people are pretty probably thought about all of that but i'm developing that spiritual side a lot in terms mm-hmm. of energy uh, things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and that is changing a lot of things for me uh bringing peace uh bringing different perspectives even more like um it's it's exciting to be honest so that's a beautiful perspective thanks so much for sharing with us we appreciate <laughs> it. Um, yeah <laughs> That's it for this episode of Social Kick Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at The Social Kick Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website at thesocialkick.com.